Warning. This episode's reading contains content warnings for implied child abuse and violence. If those are things that you would like to opt out of for any reason, please skip ahead to the 21-minute mark from the start of the reading. Also, this episode does contain strong language. Listener discretion is advised. That did make it. I'm Hillary B. Bisniaks. Listeners, I'm super excited today, I think, to welcome our first mononymous, uh, uh, one named author ever to the show. Lads, welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we've, we've been chatting on and off about this book for. God knows how long, who knows, time is fake, doesn't matter. Uh, and I'm very excited to finally have you on to promote Ice Upon a Pier. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super stoked to be actually sharing the story with a whole bunch of people because, um, yeah, the publishing journey for it's been like a little unconventional, given that mm-hmm. it is a self-pub. And so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we should mention that uh, you are doing this in conjunction with uh, Robot Dino Press, our good friends there. Yeah, um, yeah. Robot Dino Press is a, um, I guess, an imprint you could call it of the Chip Cup Collective, which is a collection of other queer self-published authors to like share resources, like promo. Hey, how do I format an ebook or just like troubleshooting self pub things? And yeah. yeah, it's been great working with them so far. They're super cool folks. Uh, I haven't worked with them in the publishing capacity, but I have had like four other robot dino people on. At least three other robot, at least four other robot dino people on the show previously. As I know I've talked to Sarah Locke, Rekka's been on, like, a grip, had Merck on a couple of times, I want to say, and Andy was on last year. So that sounds like a bunch. That sounds like four. I can count. Yeah, um, being a math gay, that sounds correct. Yeah. Uh, and we should mention right off the bat that this book will be out on April the 11th. Anywhere that fine ebooks are sold, which is to say, the internet. And also will be out in paperback. Oh, that's right. And will be out in paperback. POD, because Robot Dino knows how to do these things, and we love them. Yep. Yeah, currently I have links for Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and my Twitter, at Lads Writing, is probably the best place to follow up with where it's showing up in uh, indie bookstores. Yeah, and uh, I will have all the relevant links, as always, in the show notes. So, uh, is there anything that we need to know about this book before we get into the reading? 
Um, before we get into the reading, I do want to shout out a few content warnings. So if people need to nope out because this is a true crime secondary world fantasy noir, so there will be some pointier subjects such as implied uh, child abuse, um, violence, a bit of violence. Um, so if those are topics people don't want to engage with, that's totally okay. Yeah, and uh, listeners, you will have already heard the uh, list of content warnings and the time to skip to, so that if you want to miss this reading, you can still enjoy the rest of the podcast. Yep, and I will be reading from the introduction in chapter one. Fantastic. All right, I will start now. Uh, introduction, then. The elevator doors opened, revealing the tallest woman I had ever seen. Her black hair, streaked with blonde, sat atop her head in two rolls which cascaded into beautiful curls. The dark purple velour suit enhanced slim curves, cute buckled heels decorated her dainty feet. She could have been any of the many affluent patrons in this fine-ass hotel, but from <laughs> lack of purse and bulges in her pockets, I could tell she wasn't. She was like me, another contract killer for hire. Want me to hold this for you? She called, reaching for the button panel. Yes, I dashed over to the elevator and slid inside. The doors reopened with a jerk, then closed with a ping. My stomach dropped as the elevator sounded, fuck, fuck, fuck. Someone put out a hit on me. It was the middle of the night. There shouldn't be anyone else here. At least no one else in my line of work. The streets outside were empty, the lobby deserted. So, what you up to? She asked, hands crossed over her chest. Working. I couldn't give more details than that. I should not give more details than that. <laughs> a hair comes loose from the braided wreath I arranged it in. I tuck it behind my ear. Oh, same. Are you a lady of the night? I widened my eyes. N no, yourself? No, though I always wondered about it. She smirked. You're here for a mark? One of the things that made me so good at what I do was never leaving any collateral damage. Potentially being the mark left me no choice. This other hired hand must die. My jaw tensed and I didn't respond. Her blank, pleasant face didn't shift. The elevator dinged when it stopped at her floor. Relax, you're not mine. She winked at me and gave a cute wave before leaving to complete her contract. My heart thundered in my ears, and I'm not entirely sure if it was relief or something else. I've experienced <laughs> attraction before, but never towards anyone in my line of work. Never towards anyone active in my line of work. In short, I was in danger. Now, a singular bulb swings softly above myself and the interviewer. I didn't have the right kind of magic to snuff it out, but fuck is it annoying. Made me dizzy and the deprivation of proper food and proper water doesn't help nothing. So that's how Ruta Pavlok made Frida Masters. I want to punch this biographer's face. He's judging me. As if he wouldn't be turned on and terrified by the tallest woman he had ever seen getting into an elevator with him. On a night where he thought he would be alone. The prick. That's how I met Freedom Masters, ye. I toss the felled strands over my eyes and out of the way. It works, somewhat. And how did it make you feel? Toothpick thin lips narrow. At least his posture relaxes. I have been nothing but cooperative. Handcuffed, I pose him no danger. Drugged for days in the name of psychotherapy? There's no threat from me. Plus, 
He's been here for several sessions over many weeks having me talk about my unpleasant past, which only gets more sorted the more details I tell him. We've only really talked about the most recent stuff. My capture, my arrest, court proceedings, all that nonsense. It's not even the most interesting part. (laughs) I raise an eyebrow. How often do you see two bounty hunters sharing an elevator? I don't think I was... What's the word? Paranoid? Sure. Yeah, that's it. Paranoid. The only reason for her to have been there was to take me out. Why did that worry you? The guards had taken my rings, thick silver bands at one of my thumb, index, and middle fingers, and wow, do I want to click them against each other. I wasn't done. I wasn't done at all. I had so many other contracts to fulfill. So many volumes of graphic novels, both domestic and international, to read. The manga imported from abroad are my particular treasures rotting in storage while I'm jailed indefinitely. Done implies that you started. He flips through that annoying notepad of his. I don't have much on that. Care to get into it? I don't care in any sense of the word, but I am bored, and if people want to hear my story, then it's good that they hear it directly from me first. Chapter 1. The Beginning. Before birth, 12 years old. Then, peer upon peer city, my story started the year when the latest and certainly not last of several great wars ended. Immigrants from an isolated land appropriately named Lotska came on boats, by droves with their ice magic because their government got trampled by every neighboring country. My father came on a ship with his family and wow do I still wish the bastard drowned then. It means I wouldn't be here now, but some sacrifices net positive benefits. I know nothing of my grandparents except that they somehow secured a private room in an otherwise overcrowded tenement complex. This was the height of luxury in those days, despite waking up most mornings to fucking rats, both literally and figuratively. Shouts and screams echoed from every other room. My grandparents died before I came into the picture. Their passing made space for a small blossoming family of that horrible man and that passive woman who consummated something to create me. My mother cared for me as much as she could, but she couldn't protect me from my father's fists or spells. And she couldn't do anything about the way my skin reacted to everything. See, it wasn't that I am allergic. The air in Pier Pond Pier City was just pure poison like that. Not much has changed, unfortunately, but at least they got rid of the smell. To get me to stop scratching, my father would use his scant magic to freeze the blood beneath my fingertips and tear the nails off. The screaming enraged him, but I was too young to communicate better. He took his overstimulation out on my mother or out on some poor slob in the street. With how much it seems he hated his first child, it mesmerized me that my parents had another one. Piotrek, they named him, and the son born after him. Now, I wanted to kill my father over the fingernails thing, because wow, why would you do that to your child? What really sealed the nail in the coffin, so to speak, pun fully intended, is what he did to Piotrek. The first one, obviously. Piotrek complained. A lot. Not that I could blame him. We were four people living in one room. My father's temper accounted for all of ours. (laughs) As did his rage, as did his violence. Too long would go by before I had the abilities and wherewithal to do anything about it. Summer. The air reeked of dirty bodies and the bags of refuse left on the street corners are far longer than humanly acceptable. (laughs) You're all sweating, and Piotrek, in particular, did not like being warm, and our father loved being drunk, which only made him sweatier. Loved isn't the right word, but it silenced the demons in his head enough that he could make them our problem. (laughs) It helped nothing. Headaches and hangovers ignited his temper. My mother was lucky to be working, most women did at that time. 
It was a matter of survival. Someone in her family had to. That shitty dock job which ruined her back and hand spared her from my father's harm. In that room for most days, it was me, Piotrek, and my father. Can I call him Simon? Great. Anyway, Simon's morning bender hadn't ended. The trigger was unclear, but from what I know of the motherland, there wasn't a moment in history that didn't lead to some kind of post-traumatic stress. Especially then, but it wasn't as bad as it was going to get. Simon grumbled under his breath, a wet gargling sound which had no words I could decipher. Maybe it was Lotskish? I wouldn't know. My parents never taught it to me, but Simon was so loud when I didn't want to hear him. Especially when I didn't want to hear him. And Piotr couldn't stand summer in that apartment either. The heat, the smells, the noise, none of it. Piotr, however, was stupid in that way all five-year-olds are. He had just learned how to communicate in paragraphs, knew his colors, had the precise words for things bothering him. Before then, Simon spared him from his outbursts. I'm sure some of my bad habits are a result of too many knocks to the head. Same goes for my stunted height. I never saw the worst of it. It happened while I was at school. I come home and Piotrek was gone. Not like missing, but dead. I didn't see the body, but my mother's choking weeping said more than words could ever convey. From what Frida showed me of her well-adjusted family, this wasn't normal in any way, shape, or form. I still don't understand why she resented them in the way that she did. But the only story I can share is my own, and there it was. Now, in my own trauma, I repressed exactly what happened, but I freeze, unable to continue. I stare at the metal table, eyes wide. The only sound I hear is the creaking as the light hangs above us. I am elsewhere. If time stopped, it's not because I did anything. Can you talk about something else? I asked. My voice is disgustingly soft. Simon is dead. He cannot hurt me anymore. Some scars do not heal. Of course, the biographer says. So I turned to a more fun topic where I had more agency. Dealing with hooligans. <laughs> then, if you think school was any easier, well, you're an idiot and not in the way five-year-olds are. I don't know what to say otherwise. As a student, I think I did well enough. I can clearly speak and understand what people are telling me. But more importantly, I understand what people aren't telling me. Most of that, however, I learned in my line of work. School, whether it intended to or not, prepared me for it. There were plenty of magicians and non-magicians in public schools, but I was the only ice mage in PS65. They called me glacial, especially this one kid, Percy Green. He was bigger than me, less of an immigrant. I think his family came over on the first crossing centuries ago. He had it out for me like I personally wronged his family. But that wouldn't make sense. An ocean separated our ancestors and guardians until this moment of childhood. He annoyed me very much. His house was between mine and the school. Most days he followed me, asking if I could go any slower, if I'd be melting because of the sun, regardless of the season. Bastard, literally. Stayed far enough away from me that I couldn't spin around and thwack him. How I wanted to, every time he opened that grating mouth. One afternoon, I gave in to those urges. He asked me about my walking speed. My fist curled into a ball. This 12-year-old girl snapped a punch into Percy Green's freckled face. <laughs> Unfortunately, the incident took place too close to his house. Percy's father saw the whole thing through his window. He threw open his door and yelled expletives I can't remember, nor had I heard before that day. <laughs> I shivered, not because of cold, but anger. If I had known what kind of little shit his son was, then maybe he would understand why I had to clock him. <laughs> I didn't realize... A crowd had gathered. Seeing a grown man yelling at someone else's kid provides enough entertainment, I suppose. Not like there is anything else to do in that dumpy neighborhood. 
all I wanted to do is go home and read the true crime rags I loved at the time. Still do, really. I want to be in my cramped home reading them. The only time my father ever came to my side was that afternoon. He left on a beer run when he saw the commotion. Seeing a depraved kindred spirit as himself, Mr. Green was about to explain to Simon what happened. Why he felt justified harassing a bully 12-year-old over fighting back against his shit-heeled child. <laughs> Simon wouldn't have it. Like father, like child, Simon sucker punched Mr. Green, knocking him out. Stunned silence surrounded us. I didn't even know how to react, but I wanted to laugh. Not triumphantly, but more at the ridiculousness of Simon coming to my rescue. Simon would have hit me if I cried, so I just left my mouth hanging open. Even though he spared me from further embarrassment in that one instance, I still hate Simon for what he did to Piotr. Anyway, I thought Percy would leave me alone after that. He and his dad had matching broken noses, but this is pure upon pure city. Percy wanted revenge. I used to go to the newsstand after dinner. There was an excellent series on true crime and serial killers from a strictly forensic point of view that fascinated me. It put science practicality in a way that made it more salient than school ever could. <laughs> on my way back, however, Percy called my name. Or rather, he called that gratuitous nickname he had for me. Glacial. When he came up with the nickname, I hadn't even awakened my ice magic yet. But it came with puberty. To add insult to injury, my period had started that morning with all its fun discomforts. Ice flowed through my veins, pricking at my fingers, waiting to be unleashed. Meanwhile, my stomach rolled and my lower back cramped. Fuck, I was uncomfortable. In hindsight, no wonder I so easily punched the little shit. Can I help you? I responded calmly. I wasn't going to start the fight. Instead, I took the magazines I bought under my arm, ready to go home without incident. All alone, huh? Percy rolled his sleeves up. Good. My nose still hurts, you fucking iceberg. Iceberg was a new one. My jaw twitched. I had enough of this kid. Percy, large in his father's oversized coat, like some kind of predator, stomped towards me. His fists were ready. He wanted to break my skin and make sure I carried the scars until the end of my days. Or I wouldn't even have the chance to form scars because I would be dead that night. The problem with bullies, however, is that they are never prepared for their victims to fight back. He charged at me, loudly. Knowing his play, I ducked out of the way. Ice crystals formed in my mind, their perfect structures coalescing into smooth, cold cerulean. They materialized on my free hand. I curled my fingers into my own frigid fist and hit Percy. Again, again, and again. Now. And you didn't get caught? The biographer asked. His breath quakes. I guess me at 12 was kind of scary. I laughed, this ugly barking sound. I wouldn't be here with you right now if I got caught. He tilts his head from side to side. I suppose you're right. Though his words are uncertain, he recovers quickly from his fear. Not a new wrinkle forms on that face. You said at our last session that it's not like they can give me more life sentences. I chuckle. It's a good reminder. I can tell him whatever I want, however many times he tries to visit. He swallows hard. So what did you do to Percy? He died. I leave it there. It's cumbersome to tell him how I dragged him into the woods, froze off his teeth, fingers, and toes, took that hideous coat, and into the river he went. Oh, right. I also weighed him down with rocks. Somewhere in the ocean that body lays. His parents skipped town after that. I'm not sure I ever felt as powerful as I did as a 12-year-old. Maybe the biographer and I can have a whole session that's only about hiding bodies and getting away with so much bloodshed. But fuck, does he annoy me. It helps him that my hands are locked behind this chair. 
It saves him that the guards slip magic suppressant to everything I consume. I haven't summoned ice in several years. Shame, because it is beautiful. It solves problems words can't, and this biographer is turning into a giant fucking problem. What I don't tell the biographer. At school. As far as whatever publication this man is turning out about me, there are some things I'd rather keep to myself. Here we are. It is common knowledge that elemental magic happens randomly. Some call it a mutation, others call it a miracle. I call it a tool. I served me well. It helped me do what needed to be done to survive, and by survive, I mean get paid. Myself and the other elementalists formed a little cohort. Percy's disappearance opened up my social circle. Before, people avoided me because they did not want to be on the receiving end of that harassment. With the threat gone, I was approachable. I'm glad I opened up those social doors for them. It shouldn't have been up to me, but Percy shouldn't have been such a colossal dick. The unfortunate lesson I gleaned from my school days is this. Killing solves problems. <laughs> Snuffing out life means that those problems go away. Permanently. And if you're clever about it, no one needs to know. And wow, was I clever. That's it for the introduction and chapter one. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. I love and despise this narrator so much. <laughs> so good. Thank you. Uh, Ruta is a shit. <laughs> and she knows it. <laughs> I... I can't help but think of her disgust for the biographer in my mind brings me back to the uh, only ever present in flashbacks biographer in Sarah Gailey's Just Like Home. Oh, yeah. Who also sucks. Mm-hmm. And I love that little parallel in my brain. I, it delights me to no end because honestly, like, I don't know. You don't you don't root for dad in just like home, but like you you are rooting for the narrator at least a little bit in that yeah. book. Delightful. A plus. No notes. Thank you. <laughs> so this being Tales from the Trunk, uh, and this book having had uh, quite a, a journey in publication, are there any favorite bits that just didn't make it into the uh, release that will be in our listeners' grubby little hands on April 11th? So, basically what happened with this one is I wanted to write a novella specifically for a few publishing calls, but had zero ideas that were, like, had any legs in a way that I felt like I can execute. Like, mm -hmm. I have... Been there. I have, like, 8,000 words of a very, like, Dark Souls-y thing that <laughs> I just, like, looked back on and just uh, still can't salvage it. It's fine. Art be like that sometimes. Um, Art do be like for, that. But for this one... In, like, 2021, I, like, listened to the last podcast on the Left series on Richard Kuklinski, and who was a very nasty Polish hitman who killed between... I He officially got convicted for 15, but his body count is up to 200, so, you know... Both of those very, are large numbers. Yeah, they're more than zero. 
Yeah. But I was like, just like typical fascinated. number of people killed by another person is zero. Richard right. Kuklinski, who lives in a cave in Poland and kills 200 people in his lifetime, is a statistical outlier and should not have been counted. Right. Well, so he was uh, actually born in uh, the U.S. Um, his family had immigrated from Poland, but that's just me being nerdy and nitpicking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like, I just got hooked on this story because it's a story that's like, it's very true crime. One of the debates the podcast had started was, is he a serial killer or is he a contract killer? Is there a difference? Should we split hairs? Mm-hmm. Uh, based on some of his anger issues, uh, I'm going with uh, the contract killing was an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, however, da, 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 I just got... And the story is also, like, very... It cannot take place in anywhere other than New York City. Mm-hmm. In a way that I think scrubs a lot of the mystique from mm-hmm. New York City. Because a large number... Because so he worked for the mafia, which uh, in some publishing circles does get very woobified. But in places like actual Italy, it's still like a really big problem. Which is one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I sought Francesca Taki to be a sensitivity reader for this. Because I did not want to glorify that. I didn't mm-hmm. want to glorify any of it. Aside from, like, depiction, I guess. Right. Um, There are whole theories on that. But anyway, this story just, like, sunk its claws into my brain. Story of Richard Kuklinski, whose birthday is actually April 11th. (laughs) Um, So the second I saw that, like, oh, if I get my crap together for self-publishing, I could do it. But, yeah, basically, it, um, yeah, I wrote, wrote the novella, submitted it to a bunch of places, got rejected, and I was like... Oh, I guess this could go in the trunk, but like the novella market is so tiny. It's mm-hmm. so tiny. Like, if you don't have an agent, I think there's literally only four or five places you can submit to, and then everything else is just being vigilant about when venues open. Big, 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 big um, mood. And so I was like, well, I tried those four venues, tried a few other ones, uh, and I was like, this story is way too cool to just like keep on my hard drive Mm -hmm. and so here we are um there were a bunch of fun details about richard kuklinski and when i say fun i mean Uh uh-huh whatever makes my brain go chirp chirp um yep but like yeah so for example he was for lack of a better term a family man and that he had a family and half oh yep 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 yep, yep. family supposedly but then he also treated them like crap so, like, for the purposes of a retelling, I did not even touch that. But there is one really fun thing where apparently Disney World was his favorite place. Like, what? ever. Like, this man did not know happiness until he was at Disney World with his, like, with his daughters and son. Like, just. That's wild. Ab- absolute emotional whiplash. <laughs> This man was also like six five and like over three hundred pounds, so just horrifying presence. Like, I, and so turning him into a five foot three lesbian was just like, <laughs> a lot of fun. I mean, emotionally, she's still built like a brick shit house. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's incredible! Incredible, incredible job reality apparently making these things happen 
But here's the wildest part that, like, I definitely want to turn into some kind of sequel material once my brain is freed from other projects. But mm -hmm. so I was born in Poland. My family and I came over when I was very young. So, like, they have strong connections to the motherland. And so whenever I tell them about, like, Polish Americans, they're, like, interested about it. Like, uh -huh. there's this random ass town in Texas with a whole bunch of Polish people in it. And they're like, you should go. And I'm like, I don't have a car. Anyway, um, so I was Texas telling them. Texas also very big. Texas is huge. Yeah, it's like a minimum three hour drive from where I am. Um, but anyway, they were like, I was telling them about Richard Kuklinski, and they're like, "Oh, you mean the spy war hero?" I'm like, "What? <laughs> no, what is happening?" And so then they're like telling me about this other dude who was alive and like active at the same time except his name is Richard Kuklinski which like first name spelled differently last name has a diacritic in it but like mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes it's like a translation of the same name similar to how like Juan is John in Spanish and I was just like uh this is too crazy for me to try to work into any kind of story, but my God, is it going to happen one day? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in terms of things that did not make it into the final thing, those I think That's are the two big ones. amazing. I love that. It was also, such a disorienting conversation. Fucking buck wild. Yeah. Like, what do you... What do you mean there are two different Kuklinskis who, like, may have killed people? Like, like... <laughs> Okay. Um so we we've already we've already touched on some some great bits. Is there any uh without being too spoilery, is there any bit that you're just so excited made it into this final release? Um so I feel like a thing I've been doing recently with my projects that I actually kind of highly recommend everyone do if they're feeling like really down about like seeking traditional publishing, be it small press, large press, trying to get an agent is mm -hmm. to like start writing projects almost with like specific people in mind. Mm. So like, so, so the friends, um, shout out to James and Noah, um, who, I was like working really closely on a different revision with for a different project. Um, mm -hmm. I knew I was going to share this one with them. So I definitely put in some treats. <laughs> um, and one of the treats is a very niche Tales of Symphonia reference. Incredible. We love so to see it. So if anyone finds that, kudos. And also if anyone finds poorly explained Naruto, also <laughs> shout out. Tweet at lads directly. That's at at lads writer on Twitter. Uh, lads writing. Right, lads yes. writing on Twitter. Yes. When you find the poorly explained Naruto reference. Yeah, because I also, I guess it's like almost another writing theory of just like, if you're going to be wildly incorrect in some areas of your, like, historical, like, fantasy fiction, you might as well just make it a secondary fantasy, which ironically almost created more work for myself because I had to, like, rename mm -hmm. everything. 
Yep, the renaming yep, that I am most proud of <laughs> is um, renaming Greenpoint to Viradike. <laughs> so proud of that one because it's so layered, <laughs> especially in a book about lesbians. Oh, we love to see it. And like oh. Pierpont Pier City, which shows up in the ex in the excerpt, that's uh Jersey, that's a reference to Jersey City. Yeah. So like one of the reasons why I wanted my cover artist, Aleda Perez, to work on it was because they had grown up in Jersey and are very familiar with the tri-state area. And I was like, yes. So Excellent. yeah, like there's a lot of references to like New York City Tri-State area, but in terms of like I think also specifically for some of the queer stuff in the book, um, I just, I don't want to say I want to hand wave a lot of it, but it was like, yeah, there's just like really popular lesbian bars for out and about lesbians. I don't know if that was a thing in the 80s, but honestly, I did not want to depress myself finding out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. That's, that's reasonable. You gotta, you gotta do what sparks joy and doesn't spark endless doom scrolling based research rabbit holes. Although I will say, if you do want an excellent book about eighties, nineties New York, a night specifically gay nightlife, a last call at the Nightshade Lounge um, oh, by uh-huh. Elon Green is excellent and like. Nice. Yeah, so one of the other critiques that come with being, like, I'm so reluctant to call myself a true crime fan because, like, I'm not really in for it for, like, the voyeurism of the violence Mm -hmm. and the murder, but it just gets more fascinating for me the more, like, structural problems that get addressed and, like, how much the victims are centered. Yeah, I think there's a difference between being in the murder fandom and being interested in the structural failures inherent in true crime stories yeah and so like one of the things i really liked about last call is that like one it centered the victims to the point that i can't even tell you what the moniker was for that murder but two it was talking a lot about how the police like just failed the queer community at like every step of the process and Mm -hmm. so being a historical account from that perspective just made it that much better for me. Very cool. And so, like, the book that also served a lot of the source material for Ice Upon a Pier, The Iceman Confessions of a Mafia Contract Killer by Philip Carlo, is a lot about talking about, like, the mafia in New York, but also how someone like Richard Kuklinski can just, like, go eliminate random homeless people on a Thursday afternoon and not get caught. 80s mm-hmm. in New York were insane. The fact that the city stands is short of a miracle. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. New York is weird. I don't know. I say I say this as somebody who grew up in... There are so many tri-state areas, but I think what people will agree is like the other tri-state area if you say the tri-state area most people will be like yeah yeah the new jersey delaware pennsylvania tri-state area that's a legit tri-state area as opposed to like i don't know i got once in the 
early 2000s got a college recruiting mailer from a tri-state university that was like Kentucky I don't know what states border Kentucky off the top of my head but it was a it was a tri-state area in like the south slash midwest and I was like no one I I played one season of junior varsity soccer. You do not want to recruit me for your sports team. And two, I'm from, I'm from like, a tri-state area people have heard of. Yeah, like, the one I'm referring to is New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, but, like, yeah, just... Yeah. Yeah, but, that, like, that's... If you say the tri-state area, people are gonna probably think of that or the Philly one. Like... yeah. No, nobody thinks of where three random states touch in the middle of the country. Yeah, my personal favorite, though, is the one where all the rectangle states touch. That Oh, that is one. a good one. But that's like a quad state area. And yeah. I don't think anyone calls it that. No, no. But they should. Colorado, etc. Board of Tourism, get at us? Question mark? Maybe? I don't know. Who knows? Well, uh, before we wrap things up here, a couple of questions not directly related to this book. Uh, One, is there anything else that you have out there that you would be excited for people to be following? Say, Uh, mm, a blog, maybe? or Yeah, so I'm super proud of the work I've done on my blog, which is joewritesfantasy.me. Um... A plus quality blog. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of... It's mostly a space for me to just shout out about, like, all the media I'm consuming that I enjoy. But there's also, like, a lot of rad um, interviews up there. Like, um, on April 4th, we have Terry J. Benton Walker, who Oh, fantastic. Yeah, his uh, YA contemporary fantasy debut blood bets is a lot of fun if you're the type of person who loves like generational family drama and but also a lot of like very grounded like high school nonsense um it's super fun because it like tickles that like epic fantasy like in the Mm -hmm. i don't know if this will be in the final copy but in the arc you do get like family trees and like who's related to who that's awesome so crunchy that's Um, amazing yeah, I've definitely had to slow it down just to focus a little bit more on my own stuff. Um, yeah. But I did also host... So, Ice Upon a Pier will be coming out on itch.io as well um, for the option of... Uh, just for more accessibility. So, yeah. it'll be pay what you want, free, have at it. Yeah. Uh, currently hosted there is a short story that I pulled out of the trunk called Problem for Tomorrow's You, um, which is, I can't even call it a metaphor because it's like a depiction of ADHD as this like glamour you put on every morning. But what Mm. if the glamour turns into a doppelganger that like ruins your life, basically. Love Um, this, love this. So that's up on itch. And um, yeah, I am working. I am working on things. I just can't announce them until after Ice Upon appears up fantastic so that is all i can say um (laughs) but if you have been enjoying my tweets about 
a deranged project called Aquashame in which I do more weird research on mean Russians and Polish people. I I have been enjoying those tweets, actually. It's one of the few bearable parts of Twitter.com in the year of our Lord 2023. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, that's only hint I'm dropping. <laughs> well, uh... We will again uh, shout out Lads's uh, Twitter at the end, of course, and it'll be in the show notes, all the good places. But know that if you're not following Lads on Twitter, you should be following them on Twitter. That's just all I. It's just I made it a choice sense. at around 2016 that I will not yell about anything that does not need a platform. Mm-hmm. So if you just want a lot of uh, sexy art reblogs, retweets, whatever. Um, it's all and reblogs. yelling about, like, anime, manga, books, and movies. Uh, like, I'll probably still be on my Better Call Saul brain rot, but, like, <laughs> here, here we are. This is who I am, I suppose. Never not on your behavior. Finally, before we get out of here, lads, is there anything that you've been consuming, be it a video game, podcast, books, TV shows, graphic novels, manga, random web comics, who knows? Uh, anything that you've been super enjoying that you want other people to know about? Yeah, so, uh, do you. Yeah, for video games, I've been super into Darkest Dungeon 2, but that's Oh, hell yeah. I love games with a great aesthetic that are profoundly difficult. See also the hundreds of hours I've sunk into Frostpunk. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of icy things that are also made by Polish people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the thing that's been really making my brain uh, buzz right now is uh, light novels. They're really nice. fun. Um, like... There's this one about an, a former vampire and a girl who weighs nothing called uh, Bakemonogatari. That's a lot of fun. But in terms of more, like, I guess, genre-appropriate stuff, like, a lot of us have seen the Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust movie, but that is mm -hmm. based off of volume three of the Vampire Hunter D. light novel series, which is... Oh, very cool. A lot of fun, especially as someone who cannot seem to commit to a genre... That thing is simultaneously a Western, a horror, a sci-fi, and a fantasy, and just, like, leans into all four of those things. So it's Vampire like, Hunter D is incredible work. Just it's so fun. Very, very good. Very... I mean, it is very gender, but it's also just, like... Yeah, it makes your brain go burr. Yeah. And... Ooh, there was something. Oh, and um, I guess a thing that I've been super into, which is sort of a throwback um, thing to know about me. My reading of things pre-2015 is kind of hit or miss on a wash. So if you're like, Joe, have you read Poppy Z Bright? I'm working on it, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm working on it. <laughs> However, I did finish Gormenghast, the trilogy, and oh my god. Oh my the god. The hype for that is super real. If you just want to like sink into some beautifully constructive sentences, but then also get really upset about like trauma and neglect, uh, mm -hmm. it's a good one. Mm hmm. 
Yep, and I yep, totally yep. get why people are leaning into the density of that language in the year of our Lord, 2023. But also the most recent book I can think of told similarly is Leech by Hyrenes. <laughs> so. Yeah, and uh, uh, that, the hype is there. That Gormenghast trilogy for those who are not in the know by Mervyn Peake starts out with Titus Groan. Highly recommend, uh, especially if you can track down the versions with Edward Gorey art, because huh. that's the real shit right there. Like, Edward yeah, Gorey... The ones... Yeah, because the ones it. I have have the, um, the Mervyn Peaks scribbles in them, and also they're very good. so fun. They're all fun. Very good. There was very... one that was, like, conveying a scene with, like, the moon coming over a waterfall... And, like, you look at it for ten seconds, and you're like, oh, yeah, that that's totally what that is. Like, they're not the best art I've ever seen, but they mm-hmm. are a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big, big fan of the uh, books with the scribbles by the author in them. See also my uh, smog tattoo on my arm based off of the uh, original cover of uh the hobbit underneath the dust jacket because never not on my bullshit yes also i'll try to track this down for the show notes but uh sarah gailey's original map for uh river of teeth with the steamboat that goes choo choo just just perfection in there uh i'll i'll I will just DM them and be like, hey, do you know where that post is? And then they will send it to me and it'll be great. Yes. Also, shout out to Gailey for hosting my cover reveal. They are Hell yes. Yeah, yeah. Definite definite shout out to Sarah Gailey's Stone Soup uh, and the uh, Personal Canons Cookbook. Also, uh, big eyes emoji at that uh series because you'll be seeing something from me there uh i believe the week after this episode drops so oh cool congrats thank you very excited for that essay to hit i also just wanted to shout out some other books that do really cool um genre things with cities um please do um coincidentally these three people have blurbed ice upon a beer for very specific reasons um the first one is the blade between by sam j miller which is a hell yes uh which is a gentrification horror taking place in hudson new york um man if you want to be mad about how new york city has changed since the 80s 90s that's a great one Uh um related the Sleepless by Victor Manibo, which is near future New York, where a virus has taken away some people's ability to sleep, and some people are very upset about that. And also, mm-hmm. it's a very well-crafted murder mystery. And finally, um, not New York, but the city as a place of like history, culture, magic, uh, the bruising of Kilwa mm. by um, Nassim Yamnia, uh, Jamnia. Apologies for pronunciation, is a fantastic novella um, that's about a city-state and kind of just our main characters trying to be a healer and navigating 
increasingly intense politics. It's really rad. Hell yeah. I should have Nassim on the show. I've had both Victor and Sam on. So, like, I just got to get that trifecta right there. Yes. Yeah, I think they also just signed a middle grade deal. So, like, oh, they clearly have a range that yeah. we should all aspire to. Well, uh, finally, finally, before we go, uh, when we're we're coming up on some truly five-star runtime right here, uh, lads, where can our listeners find you out in the world? And by the world, I mean the online, which is the world. I mean, when you are still... Uh, yep. <laughs> when you when you work from home, uh, that is very true. Um, yeah, lots of writing on both Twitter and Instagram. JoeWritesFantasy.me is the blog. Um, send out a newsletter about once a month, which you can also sign up for on the blog. <laughs> well worth um, your doing. Yeah, that's, that's mostly where I do my yells. Fantastic. Well, lads, it's been so much fun having you on the show truly a delight thank you so much absolutely listeners stick around in two weeks when i will be talking to brandon o'brien which like (gasps) i know tales from the trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful oakland california our theme music is paper wings by lillian boyd you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at HBBisniex. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. reject